If you don't want to play the game anymore, stop throwing the ball back. How do you forgive when the wound is still open? How do you leave a legacy of redemption instead of dysfunction? How do you trust God when your deepest fears are realized? Join me, Sarah May, along with some wise mentors along the way as we explore these and other messy heart topics and the strategies we can use to seek healing in the pain and restoration in the ruins. Welcome to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Hey friends, today on the podcast, I'm talking about boundaries, specifically setting them with someone who you are tangled up with in a messy, manipulative kind of way. I'm going to tell you how I learned to set boundaries with my alcoholic, verbally abusive mother, and I'll start that off by reading you an excerpt from my new book, The Complicated Heart, Loving Even When It Hurts, which you can pre-order now. The link to do that is in the show notes. And then I'm going to share a few practical tips on setting boundaries that you can begin to put in place right away. Next week, we're going to talk about setting boundaries with our in-laws. Yep, you heard right. And get this, I'm interviewing my mother-in-law. It's going to be good, you guys. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast because you are not going to want to miss it. All right, let's jump in. It's my junior year of college, and I'm sitting in my favorite class, preparing to continue learning all about family dynamics and abuse and relationships. It's what we've been studying lately, and it's right up my alley. Basically, my college classes are like therapy. I settle in my seat for more information about dysfunctional families when a bald man with a dark mustache and black leather jacket walks to the front of the class. We have a guest lecturer today. He's some kind of drug and alcohol counselor. My body straightens, and my head leans forward. Tell me what you know, bald man, because I need what you know. He lectures for 45 minutes on substance abuse and how it affects families, and all I really care about is grabbing him after class and telling him about my mom and asking him what to do with my mom and our jacked-up relationship. The minute we are dismissed, I move through the desks, bumping my hips in my hurry, and run down the steps toward the door where he's standing. I ask him if I can talk to him for a few minutes. He says yes. I tell him about my mom. I tell him that she drinks sunup to sundown and that she knows she's an alcoholic but doesn't care. I tell him how, when I'm around her, I feel crazy rage sliding under the surface, but that I'm also helpless to help her, to make her happy. I can never say the right things or do the right things. I feel guilty around her. I disappoint her. And she tells me so. I tell him that we are so tangled up with each other that I don't know what is true and what isn't. Am I just too sensitive? What do I do? Don't throw the ball back. I scrunch my face at him. Huh? If I have a ball in my hand and I throw it to you, are you going to catch it? Yeah, I guess, I say. Okay, he says. Well, you made that choice. You caught the ball. Now you have another choice to make. You can hold the ball, drop the ball, or throw the ball back. He tells me this ball-throwing situation is what is going on with my mom. He says we are engaged in a game of toss. She throws out a ball, a verbal abuse, or manipulation. This is a new word for me. And I always respond by throwing the ball back. I engage with her. Mom, I tried. I really did. I don't know what you want me to do. Ball toss. Sarah, if you would have just... 
Baltas. Mom, you're really hurting my feelings. Why do you have to be like this? Baltas. Get a grip, Sarah. You are way too sensitive. Baltas. On and on, back and forth, a seemingly never-ending game. If you don't want to play the game anymore, stop throwing the ball back. If she calls and starts being verbally abusive to me or manipulating me, I can hang up the phone. I can start by saying, if you keep talking to me like this, I'm going to hang up. But often that doesn't work because the person will suck you in with explanations and manipulations and it just stays messy and the call drags on and the ball stays in play. Bald man says, I can make an excuse. Sorry, mom. Gotta go. Someone's at the door. Click. Or I can just say, gotta go and hang up before she responds. What I don't want to do is stay in the spiral. If I don't hang up, she'll keep talking, keep pushing. Ending our conversation abruptly seems rude and harsh, and it is, but it's a boundary that will save my sanity. I feel a responsibility to make things right with her, but I'm being ineffective because I am trapped in unhealthy behaviors and tangled thinking. I'm an emotionally unhealthy person trying to help an emotionally unhealthy person, and it isn't working, of course. Today, I will stop throwing the ball. God help me. That was an excerpt from The Complicated Heart, Loving Even When It Hurts. So like I said, if you want to pre-order that, uh, the link is in the show notes. So that's the story of when I sort of first learned, one, really what boundaries were, and two, why I should be setting them, and I guess three, the fact that I was playing the game. Now, I didn't know I was playing the game, but I absolutely was. So... I want to start by talking about what did it look like practically after I learned this lesson about not throwing the ball back. The first thing is that my mom hated it. Now, we lived in different states, so we were talking on the phone. And we would still talk on the phone, even though we had a troubled relationship. I was in college at this point, and like I said, she lived in a different state. But when we talked, and when I could see that things were sliding into our cycle of hurt feelings and hurtful words and confusion and just a spiral downward of going nowhere. I would just hang up the phone because otherwise I did. I got I got sucked into it and then I would feel guilty. I didn't understand manipulation really well. And so I was like perfectly vulnerable to it, always feeling like I was the one causing the problems or I was too sensitive or whatever. And I thought that if I could just explain myself or share how I felt, then, you know, I could somehow make her understand my perspective. But I couldn't, and that never would happen. And so being able to just get permission from the bald man (laughs) to just hang up the phone was really important for me. And it was really, really good for me. And I know it sounds harsh, but I needed to do that in order to get some sanity back in my life. Now, one of the other things I had to do was I needed to take an extended break from my mom. So not just hanging up the phone, but I made the decision to not see her, you know, go visit or anything or talk to her for six months. And the reason I did that was because I was just emotionally and spiritually messed up and did not know what was up and what was down. And there was no way I was going to be able to continue in relationship with her in a healthy way for myself and really ultimately for her as well if I did not take that break to get some help 
to get counseling, to get my head clear, and to be able to go forward in doing what I felt like God had asked me to do, which was not only to forgive her, but also to love her. Because it's one thing to forgive somebody from afar, you know? It's an entirely different thing to say, I forgive you, I love you, and I'm going to stay in relationship with you with boundaries. And, and I knew that that is what God wanted me to do. It's important to say here that you shouldn't always stay in a relationship with someone who has hurt you. There are times when you can forgive and still walk away. If you're not sure if it would be better to cut off relationship, I encourage you to talk with your spouse if you have one, get a counselor, talk to wise and kind friends, your pastor, or someone you trust. Now, if you're in a familial relationship that you can't get away from, or you don't want to, you want to stay but need help with boundaries, or you believe God wants you to stay, I have a few tips to encourage and hopefully help you in setting boundaries. These are all the things I've learned along the way that have helped me. Okay, before I get to the tips, I want to read you two quotes that are helpful in understanding boundaries. The first is this by Henry Cloud. Boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. Knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. Taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. Boundaries help us keep the good in and the bad out. Setting boundaries inevitably involves taking responsibility for your choices. You are the one who makes them. You are the one who must live with their consequences. And you are the one who may be keeping yourself from making the choices you could be happy with. We must own our thoughts and clarify distorted thinking. Let me read this part once more because I think it's crucial to our understanding of choosing to set or not set boundaries. Setting boundaries inevitably involves taking responsibility for your choices. You are the one who makes them. You are the one who must live with their consequences. That is so good. Okay, the next quote comes from Brene Brown. When we fail to set boundaries and hold people accountable, we feel used and mistreated. This is why we sometimes attack who they are, which is far more hurtful than addressing a behavior or a choice. Hmm, that one will get you. Okay, let's get to the tips. The first one is this. Figure out what you will and will not allow in your life. Figure out what you will and will not allow in your life. You can do this by asking yourself, what am I okay with? What am I not okay with? And what is God calling me to? In close partnership with figuring out what you'll allow in your life is this, know the game and decide if you want to keep playing. I want you to think right now of a tangled up, frustrating and or manipulative relationship that you or somebody you love is in right now. What game are you playing? What ball are you tossing back and forth? If you're not sure, ask someone close to you who you trust 
a spouse or a friend or a healthy family member. Often those close to us who care about us can see what we can't see. Be willing to vulnerably and humbly ask what game you're playing, what unhealthy behaviors they see that you continue to engage in with the relationship. Also, ask God. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. And in Psalm 139, 23 to 24, it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your situation. And He will show you what's going on if you will get curious and listen and keep alert. I'll talk more about this in just a minute. But now here's an important question. Are you ready to stop playing the game? Are you ready and willing for your relationship to change? Because it will once you begin setting boundaries. I know the quick impulse answer is, yes, I'm ready to stop. But this is a long game and it often hurts and the road is not easy. Sometimes we stay in the patterns of dysfunctional relationships because they offer us something, love or the appearance of it, money, not rocking the boat, fear, guilt. There are many reasons we stay in our cycles. I encourage you to get quiet and get honest and ask God what's in it for you if you stay in it and what might happen if you set boundaries. Then ask the question again, am I willing to stop playing the game? Here's a good time to add, why would I stop playing the game if I'm getting something from it? Well, is what you're getting greater than what you're losing? Are you losing freedom, years of your life, peace, a truthful existence? There's always a sacrifice, but the freedom and peace and truth of creating healthy boundaries in our lives and our kids' lives not only helps us to be good stewards of our lives, enjoy our lives, follow God completely with our lives, but it teaches our kids that we are willing to deal with our dysfunction and that freedom and peace and truth is more important than the bonds of manipulative love, which of course isn't love, and the stress of being ruled by our emotions or by someone else's emotions. In summary, what game am I playing and am I willing to give it up? Okay, second, you can't fix another person You can only deal with yourself and your reactions, responses, and emotional and spiritual health. It's on you to be willing to deal with your pain and sin, not fix your pain and sin, big difference, but to be willing and to decide what you will and will not live with. And it's on God to do the work in you as you surrender to that which he brings up for you to deal with, which will include thankfully not all at once, your past wounds, 
sin, lies you're believing, and places you are in bondage. He does this because He loves us and He wants to bring it into the light so that He can offer us freedom and healing. The enemy wants to keep us in the dark. He doesn't want us to deal with anything. He wants us to stay locked up and in bondage. So as God brings areas of pain to the surface and into the light, that is your invitation to freedom and healing. I'm going to give you an example of God bringing something up in my life that was actually recently, and it was a severe mercy, as someone close to me put it. So I was on vacation recently, and I was around family, and like I was being triggered left and right, meaning my emotions were just out of control. I acted so immaturely. I mean, things were coming out of my mouth that I was surprised by. I mean, just immature things, very, very immature things. My emotions were ruling me. Um, it and, and I felt like so embarrassed that my absolute immaturity was on display. And I just felt sad and humiliated and completely out of control. Now, what was happening and what is the the mercy of it all is that the observation that I was acting immaturely, that was a true observation. I was acting immaturely. The conclusion that I was immature, not good enough, you know, family didn't like me, uh, you know, I'm less than, they're better than me, they're smarter, more biblical, you know, all of these things, that that wasn't the conclusion. And a dear family member close to me said, your observation may be correct about the immaturity, but why don't you ask God what the conclusion really is? And the conclusion for me was that God was trying to show me something in His mercy so that I could walk towards freedom and maturity and healing. And, you know, finally sitting down and realizing that that is what God was doing. I was able to go to individual people in my family and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what is going on. And also to apologize and say, I am so sorry for being immature. But even before that, I forgot to say this, is that I pulled aside another family member who I really trust and who is safe. And I said, I need to ask you something. I need you to tell me, and I understand this is a landmine you're stepping into that I'm I'm asking you to step into, but what areas in my life do you see that are immature? And I meant it truly, humbly, vulnerably. I wanted the safe person to show me so that I could grow. And mature because God had brought it to the surface that there were some things that I needed to deal with. There were some lies that I was believing that was that were causing me to act out. And then there were just some some immature things going on that God also just wanted to help me grow up in. And so to be willing, you know, when when those things come to the surface, it's really easy to run away. Like I didn't want to deal with that. I wanted to be angry at the other people and, you know, fall back on like, well, they're just judging me, which they weren't, or, you know, this is just who I am or whatever. That would have been me declining an invitation towards truth and healing and freedom. 
I would encourage you as the Lord brings things to the surface, no matter how painful or scary or sad or seemingly humiliating, I would encourage you to accept that invitation. And yeah, it's hard and painful and humbling, but we can do these hard things with God's help and kindness. As you heal and mature and become more emotionally and spiritually healthy, you'll become more comfortable with the boundaries you prayerfully and wisely set. Okay, third, security in your identity in Christ is the key to everything. When we believe who we are, who God says we are, we can face judgment, criticism, jealousy, attacks, etc. It still hurts, and that's valid, but you'll know that you are okay. You can stand tall in His love, protection, truth, and grace. You will remember that God is the only one who has the authority to tell you who you are. And if you are in Him, if you have bent a knee and surrendered to Him, believing in Jesus and that He died for you on a cross and rose again, defeating sin and death for you, then you are called a child of God. That is your identity. There is no punishment for you, no critical eye, no sarcasm, no contempt. You are not an afterthought, an outcast, or a problem. You are a saint, rescued and redeemed with purpose on this earth as long as you are breathing. When we believe who God says we are, we know we can trust Him with everything, surrender all, and keep on in faith. Again, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying when we know who we are and who our protector and father is, we'll know we can face anything and we will not face it alone. The fourth and last tip for today is this. Be prepared to lose relationships. It happens and it hurts, but you don't ever have to lose hope. You can always pray for reconciliation, for a changed heart in the other person, and for areas in your own heart that need to be changed. Sometimes we finally decide to get healthy and set boundaries, and the other person or people we've set the boundaries with aren't happy, and sometimes they push us away in their hurt or anger. But sometimes something else happens. Sometimes the other person learns how they can and cannot treat you. Sometimes, eventually, they respect it, even if they don't like it. And sometimes, a miracle even happens. And that person who you've set boundaries with because you've chosen to stay in relationship, to forgive them and love them, their heart has changed. God uses our love in His redemption work. I've seen it happen in my own life, and it was so surprising and so utterly, deeply good and of God that I wrote a book about it, The Complicated Heart. The possibility of redemption is the hope. It isn't just that we protect ourselves so we can live better and more healthy lives, although that's important and necessary. It's that maybe, just maybe, a miracle will happen in the heart of the person we think could never change. Okay, you guys, that's all I have for you today. But remember, next week, we're going to be talking about boundaries with in-laws, and I'm going to be interviewing my mother-in-law. 
So this is definitely going to be interesting and I'm really looking forward to it and I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing it. So make sure to tune in or subscribe so you don't miss it. Also, if you want to pre-order The Complicated Heart, Loving Even When It Hurts, you can find the link to do that in the show notes. And if you do that, thank you, save your seat because we have some goodies for those of you who pre-order that we'll be announcing soon. All right, guys, talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Reviews are how people know if they should listen or not. So please, if you like the show, take a minute and give it a review. Thank you so much. If you want to know more, check out sarahmay.com forward slash the complicated heart podcast. See you next time.